Psalm 71. And over the next few weeks, I hope to make our way through Psalm 71. Tonight, we'll give our attention to the first, uh, first section up to verse marked 11. And Psalm, Psalm 71 is a, it's a special psalm to many of us. Because you appreciate it as, as we read through it there, the words are solemn. The words are thoughtful, and it is thought-provoking for us to come and read and consider what the psalmist is, is saying in it. As, as we read through it, we can pick up that the psalmist experiences this vicious attack from the devil. The psalmist is in this most difficult of places, and he feels like he is also vulnerable. And yet, as we go through it and we follow with his experience, we find glimpses where he has joy and he praises the God and his Lord. And as we look through this psalm together, there's, there's faith that undergirds it. There's his own faith and trust in his Lord and there's the Lord's faithfulness to his people and to the psalmist. Now this psalm, it's, it's debated whether David wrote it. David wrote the majority of the psalms, but I don't think they believe, they're not too sure whether this is, this is entirely his work. There are parts from it, from other psalms to, in its construction. But regardless of who wrote it, while we read through it, we can understand that it's an, an elderly person that's writing it, or uh, someone who's in old age. If you look, go to verse 9, it says there, do not cast me off in the time of old age. And if you go to verse 18, that's more of that. So even to old age and grey hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me. This believer, psalmist, writer, he's walked the narrow path, followed the Christian way for many years. But if you look at the title of the psalm, if you have the ESV version, it'll have a title to it. It says, Forsake me not when my strength is spent. The psalmist, all his strength has gone. There's nothing left to give. He's running on empty, as it were. The faithful believer is facing the greatest trials and afflictions of his life and personal battles. And through this psalm, we are, we are led into his experience of what he's going through when he is just holding on. When he says, I'm beat, but I'm still holding on to my Lord. He still has faith in his Lord. And this is a great lament of the psalmist he cries out to god with the sorrows of his soul and we can imagine like a crying child they cry out it's as simple as this mommy or daddy they make that cry and no one else will do until they are comforted by their mother or their father until they feel that hand or till they hear that voice comforting them and as we go through our lives, we are faced with so many different challenges and afflictions, tribulations. That's a reality of our lives. And we often cry to God because we don't know what to do. We cry in the anguish of our souls. 
And we turn like the psalmist here, O Lord. And I would be a fool if I was to say that if you became a Christian or if you are a Christian, your, your life will be without tests and trials. That would be a lie. For often the Christian is afflicted in many and greater ways as those who do not believe in the Lord. But they have someone to go with them through it and to lead them through it. They have the good shepherd to guide them through it, even if it is the valley of the shadow of death. There are times in our lives when we, we make that great call heavenward to our Lord and our God. But there are times also where we confess that we, we don't make that call and, and we, we search for other comforters which fail us. And as we look at the psalm, we, and generally as you study the psalms and look through them, they say that the main point is within the middle of the psalm. The central idea is found in the middle. When you look at Psalm 71, you have a distinct section there from verse mark 12 to verse mark 16. On either side are small, two smaller uh, paragraphs. So from verse 12 to 16, it's, a, it's the center of the psalm. And if you go to the center of the center of that section, at verse 14, it says, but I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. The psalmist's faith continuing with his Lord and his God, regardless of what the situation is or the experience of his life, regardless of how he feels, he is holding on to his only hope and his only trust to go with God. So as we consider this short section here down to verse Mark 11, there's, there's three distinct focuses that the psalmist has. He, he firstly has a focus on God. He looks towards God, and rightly so. second look that he has is he, he, looks, he looks at himself. He looks inwardly at himself. And he also has a look outwardly at those who are around him and the situation that he is in and elements of that overlap throughout the psalm but hopefully you can you can grasp these ideas the three the three looks that he has looks to god he looks within himself and he looks around at the the situation that he is in and we'll give our most of our attention to the most important of those looks and that is the look that he has to his god and to his Lord. So we look at the beginning of the psalm, straight away, his focus is in that direction. In you, O Lord, I do take refuge. And you can feel the pleading of the psalmist beginning there. This cry, O Lord, that his Lord is his refuge in the time that he is experiencing. There is no other safety for him. There's no other refuge for him. There's no other shelter for him to go to where he will find protection but in his Lord. I look to you, Lord. You are the one that will keep me. He's the keeper of my soul. I too, the Lord, will look for aid as we sung in Psalm 121. 
He's got that look heavenward to the Lord that will hold him. And it says there in verse 1, Let me never be put to shame. So that he will have no shame in that cry. As he looks heavenly, heavenward to God, there's no shame in his hope, in his weight, in his trust, in this Lord and this God. Other translations will have this, that he would never be put to confusion rather than shame, that he would never be completely bewildered, as it were. He pleads that his Lord would ever be faithful to him and his refuge in him and his trust in him would not be shattered or brought into question. You can imagine if you were to set up a business, you'd have all your hopes in this business and you would make your plans for this business and you would have your ideas and you would put it into motion. You'd have shared this with people and people would have seen you trying to form this business, set it up, get it running, employ people. And on paper, it all looks like it'll work. And you've put everything into it. All your hopes are in this business. But then it falls flat on its face. The business fails and fails you. You have an element of shame for having trusted in your plans, having trusted in this business. You have an element of confusion because you can't figure out what went wrong. On paper, it should have worked, but it didn't. There's shame and confusion in these things, but business is so uncertain. The psalmist is crying to his Lord, who is certain, so that he would not be put to shame. He's trusting in his Lord, that when he expresses his hope and trust, it will not fail, because the Lord will never fail his people. And he knows you will never be put to shame by trusting in his Lord. Now, as I said, confusion may leave us with questions. And we can't say that if we come to the Lord and we cry to the Lord, that we'll never have questions. We'll never be left bewildered at times at what the Lord is doing. There's situations that leave us confused. And our, although the situation leaves us confused, our hope and our faith should never have confusion in it. We look to God, our faith is in the God who has decreed all things, that he works all things for good mysteriously. That's beyond our understanding, beyond what we can grasp. But our faith is to trust in that God who works all things for good. To have faith in that God who will not put us to shame and not leave us confused because he has foreordained all things. Our Lord will not fail us. And though there are days where it may feel like shame in the honesty of our hearts for trusting in the Lord when we go out and live our Christian lives in this world, there may be an element of shame because we don't have the answers we like to give people. We don't feel like God is so close to us as we would desire. 
but the Lord will not fail us. The Lord, who works all things for good in his time, will not bring shame to the people who trust in him. The Lord will honour his people in time. We are faithful to him and trust in him. And with this focus on God that the psalmist has, he looks towards this, his Lord and he, it's almost as if he can't help but feel his own failures. As we come before the holiness of God and we see God clear and we look upon him I say I confessed when he saw God, I am a man of unclean lips. He sees his own failures and we acknowledge them as we come. We confess our sins to our Lord. The psalmist knows that there's no goodness of him worth rescue. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. In your righteousness, the Lord who is righteous in all things, and he looks at himself and he says, I am so unrighteous. I do not deserve to be rescued. But I hold fast to you, my Lord. And you know that I have not chased after other gods. You know I have held fast to your word. And I've been faithful to you. And in your righteousness, deliver me. Hear my cry, incline your ear to me and save me. He knew as he, he looks himself, his sins leave him stained before his God. And he wants God to hear the sorrows of his soul, the anxieties of his soul. Incline your ear to hear me and save me. Remember the psalmist, it is, all his strength is gone. He's got nothing left to give. He knows he's got nothing worth rescue being of himself. And he's calling out to God, Lord, in your righteousness, rescue me. Hear me and climb your ear to hear the agonies of my heart and save me. And it's often like that. When we are so perplexed at times, we don't have the answers. It is often just that short and effective prayer that says, save me. And it's a prayer that I'm sure many of us have prayed in years gone by. And often a prayer that comes back to us at difficult times in our lives. We don't know what to say, there's no words to express it. But just, oh Lord, save me. We run to our Lord. We call on him. And there's a beautiful version, Isaiah 58, verse 9. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. I am the Lord who hears the cries of his people and saves them.
He hears that cry of salvation, and the psalmist has his salvation founded in his Lord. In verse 3, be a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me. You are my rock and my refuge. This place is immovable. It is like this huge rock that he can come and clamber under. And every time he comes to that place, he will find safety, security. It is an impenetrable wall of defense, a fortress to him, that he can come to this place and know that it is a place where it does not change, it is sure, it is strong, and it will always be there. But the assurance he has in coming to this place is found in God's word. He continues to come. You have given the command to save me. See, he finds his assurance in God's word. He's reasoned it out. He's calling on his God and he comes back to God's word and what the Lord has commanded. You have given the command to save me. And when God speaks a command, it is equates to a promise. What the Lord says, for he speaks and it shall come to be. And whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A.W. Pink says, it is because God has promised a certain thing that we can ask of them with full assurance of faith. It is because God has promised a certain thing in his word the promises are there that we can ask of them with full assurance of faith. We can ask of these things that are in his word. That if he shall save you and you call upon him from the depths of your heart, he will hear you and answer you. And we have find the assurance in his given commandments given to us that he will save us and hear us when we cry out to him. But our rock and our refuge is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that we come to and cry to. He is the one that takes our prayers and hears them. He is the one that died on the cross for us. He is the one that bore our shame. He took all of our shame so that we would be honoured by God. He is the one who bore all our unrighteousness, so that we would be righteous. He is the one who bore the wrath of God, so that we may be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ is a refuge and a rock in a day of trouble. He is a fortress of protection against us that we must continually come to and be guarded by the schemes of the devil and his attacks. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one when we call out to him to save us, he will answer that and he will save the one who calls to him. It is promised of the word that those who call upon him shall be saved and he who has promised 
is faithful. Our Lord is faithful to us. And we come to him year after year. As the psalmist here as an elderly person is looking back. The years come and the years go. But we constantly come to the word as well. We come back to the word of God for our encouragement, for our assurance, for every step that we take into the days that are unknown. We don't know what lies ahead of us. And there are many days where we will cry out, Oh Lord, hear me, answer me. Are you there to listen to my cry? And we come back to this word. We find his assurances and his promises as a comfort to us. As a reminder that he is there as a rock and refuge. And that he is protecting us. The faith that has matured over years does not easily let go in the time of trouble. It holds on and holds on fast, whether we are, whether we are young or old here. It's good to remind ourselves to hold on to God and to keep looking to him in whatever situation we are in. To keep coming back to his word. And be reminded of what it says to us and how it guides us and shows us who the God is that we are looking at. The psalmist here, he looks to God, but he also looks to himself. Verse 4 almost introduces this transition. Rescue me, O my God. We have that call heavenward again from the hand of the wicked. And then he comes down from this vertical look almost to this horizontal look, to those that are around him, those that are surrounding him, the situation that he is in, the hand of the wicked from the grasp of the cruel and the unjust man. It's almost as if he's in this hand that has overpowered him. He feels so vulnerable and helpless. All his strength is gone. He's in this hand of the evil one. It almost feels like he's been controlled by this hand. And maybe he's asking himself, is this where the believer belongs? Is this where I'm meant to be? No, he knows that is not where he will be. He seeks to be rescued and he cries out to be rescued from that place. He knows that's not this natural place. And he cries out to be rescued. The God that hears him will not abandon him. For whatever reason, he's in that hand. He cries out to God. And the hand that holds him as the evil hand is weak before God. For the Lord's hand is a mighty hand. It's a strong hand. And if you look at this, the one that is fallen into this hand of the evil one for whatever reason. It speaks of Job's, ex Job's experience. It's, it's kind of written over this experience of the psalmist as well. But his faith just wouldn't let go. All his strength is spent. All his resources has been taken from him. He's got nothing, absolutely nothing. He's on empty. But he's holding on to God. Others are coming and telling him, curse God and die. 
abandon God. But what was Job's cry? I know that my Redeemer lives. He knew that his rescuer was there to hear his prayer and in time would save him. He looks to God. He looks within himself. And he has this personal declaration in verse 5. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. Casting his mind back over the years of his experience, his hope and trust has always been in this Lord, even from his youth. But he extends that look even to his birth. He keeps going back. And it says there, upon you I leaned from before my birth. Now that kind of implies that he made some sort of conscious decision to rely upon God or to trust on God. But if you took the King James Version, uh, maybe the translation here isn't so clear. The King James Version says, By thee I have been holden up in the womb. By thee I have been upheld in the womb. So he looks back to all the way back to his birth and he says, well, even there, O oh Lord, you kept me. You upheld me. You chose to keep me, even in that moment. God in his grace chose him first. God in his grace loved him first. God in his grace protected him even when he knew nothing of God, as he did for Even when we didn't have any word of God, God in his grace was looking out over us. And when the psalmist here is recalling these things, he's thinking of himself, that baby in the most vulnerable of situations, where he has no word of God, can't do anything for himself, so weak and fragile, completely reliant on another. He thinks, well, you kept me then. And when all his strength is spent, in the day where he has no strength, where he cannot do anything for himself, and he feels like he is so vulnerable as a child that can do nothing. He looks to the Lord, who will keep him, who trusts in him and has faith in him. When he looks to himself, he sees that great hand of God, the greater hand of power than the all the powers of the evil and of this world at work. The one who has decreed all things. He who was there in that day and he who is with me even to this day. That is as true of the Christian today. That the Lord is there with him. And at the end of verse 6, when he considers all these things, even in the turmoil that he is in, he says, my praise is continually of you. He looks to himself and he's immediately directed back heavenward to the Lord who is faithful to him. He has kept him. He has not left him. He has been with him through his youth, through his life, even to this day. To other people, he is a wonder. It says in verse 7, I have been as important to many. That means just, we know the Psalter version more uh, 
be more familiar with us. I have been a wonder to many. That's just what that word means. I have been a wonder to many. Maybe he looks back on his experience and people, people that he knew maybe have wondered at him for having trusted in the Lord in these days of turmoil. Where other people are questioning, why are you, why are you still trusting in that Lord? What can he do for you? But he does not let go. The Lord has not let him down. Even though he may have walked away. He may have walked in a different direction. But he comes back to God. And this may be a cause of wonder to many. They go out to the world looking for other comforters. They come back to their Lord and their God. They realize the foolishness of their way like the prodigal son that went out on his own way. Returned to his father. His father welcomed him. The behavior of the Christian, the world doesn't get it. The world are left baffled and wondered why you would act in such a way. The faithfulness of the Christian should be the same. That we trust in God every day, every step. We read our Bible and are guided by it. And the world just look at you and wonder, what is he doing? They don't grasp it. And it is only by the power of the Spirit that has been at work within us do we ever understand. We look at ourselves at times, but not for too long. McShane said, every look at yourself, have ten looks at Christ. When we look at ourselves for too long, there's kind of every reason that why would the Lord save us? Why would the Lord love us? We see so much of ourselves that is so sinful. But the Lord Jesus Christ will never leave thee or forsake thee. We look back at God's faithfulness and the faith that he has worked in us over the years. We ourselves can be at times in awe of what he has done. The psalmist's mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day long. All day, the psalmist's mind is on his Lord. But then we see there's an element of doubt in verse 9. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. You know, there's, there's people in our lives and we may think of elderly Christians, witnesses, and we may look at them and we think they're so strong. And yet it's probably true that they equally have their own doubts. This person, this psalmist, on the outward to the world, he probably looks so strong and so faithful. And yet he, there's an element of doubt coming in, which is true of ourselves as well. There's times where we doubt that God would hear our cry. We doubt that God will go with us. We doubt that God would keep us. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. When we look at ourselves, we must only do so briefly. When we come back to the word of God. We see our Lord, we see our rock. We see a God that does not leave us nor forsake us. 
even when we feel like he should. You'll always remain with us and be constantly faithful to the people that trust in him. So the psalmist of Psalm 71, who is of old age, looking back, afflicted, his strength is spent. The attack of the enemies come there in verse 10 and 11. They're chasing him, they're almost as if they're pursuing him to catch him, to trap him. But we know he has not left there. We know that the psalmists, even in this situation, he lifts his eyes heavenward to God. And he finds himself praising God all the day long for the, the Lord's faithfulness in every step. Every year, every day. We come to the beginning of a new year. And what does the Lord ask for of his people? That they would be faithful. But to, but to be faithful is maybe one of the hardest things of our lives as Christians. It is hard to be constantly faithful. And to be obedient to what he asks of us. But we must be. That is what forms the Christian. Our faith. That is our identity. Our faith in Jesus Christ. What is it that Christ asks for on the day of judgment? Not that you understood your Bible. You knew everything. You didn't. You weren't anxious. You weren't in turmoil. So you can enter heaven. Good and faithful servant. The servants of the Lord who hold fast to his word, cling to his promises, and do not let go, even when all their strength is spent, when the tank is empty. Maybe you feel like that at the beginning of a new year. Maybe you feel like you feel so dry. Come back to God. Cry out to him. O Lord, rescue me. O Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, save me. We turn to him. We look back over the years. And may we lift our heads and voices heavenward. Prayerfully praising our Lord. who is faithful to those who are faithful. The Lord will never leave his people nor forsake them. May these thoughts be blessed to us this evening. We'll conclude by singing in Psalm 